Welcome to Anderswick Church. We hope this message empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. My name is Alicia, by the way. If we have not met, I am really glad that you are here this morning. Hopefully I can meet you later. If it's your first time with us in the room, I'm genuinely grateful that you're with us today. We love a new face and we just hope that you feel a part of the family. I hope that someone smiled at you. Maybe you've had a free coffee if you're online right now and this is your first time joining us. Huge welcome to church. This is what church like looks like, but I imagine it's looking pretty comfortable for you at home in your living room. I was watching church last Sunday and I must say, I did enjoy having my coffee and my stash of biscuits watching the worship team, but I was grateful. I was very thankful that we had church online because when you're not in the room, man, you get FOMO. Anyone else like that? Or is it just me? You get FOMO, so I'm glad for that. Anyway, this morning, who's ready for the Word? Yeah, who's ready? This morning, I wanna talk about having gratitude, living a life that overflows with thankfulness. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna dive into it. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Well, Father, we just thank You for today and we honour You right now for this moment, God. God, I pray that You would go before me right now as I bring this Word, Father. Let it be Your words, not mine. Let it be Your Spirit that speaks to every single person's heart right now, Father. God, the stage, this isn't my stage, Lord, but this is Your stage. This is Your place to come and to minister to us, God. And I just pray right now that that would happen, that every single person in this room would leave with a little bit of something, God. A little bit of something, just change, different, revived. Something of You, God, would would leave on them today. God, I pray for a fun morning. And I pray for my voice that it would withstand this morning. And everyone said, Amen. Right, so if you're taking notes, you can jot this down if you're still taking a note taker. Overflowing with gratitude. And I've got a scripture on the verse, on the screen, it's gonna come up. That is Colossians 3, 15 to 17. And it says, is it up? We'll see. I'll start reading. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through Him. So this morning... I wanna encourage you this morning to learn to live a life that overflows with gratitude. But you know, as well as I know, that life is quite hard sometimes, right? Yeah, and you don't always wanna flow with gratitude. You don't always feel like life is easy. There's parts of your life that you can control, like you obviously controlled what you wore this morning, right? You controlled what you ate, what kind of toast you had or cereal, but you can't control what your children do. Or like my cat, I woke up and my cat had vomited on the hallway. Sorry to tell you that, Jared, I kept that behind. But I can't control that. You can't control the weather for when you want to play golf. Am I right, boys? You can't control that. You can't control the outcome of a business meeting. You can't control the way that someone responds to you. Yet as Christians, the Bible tells us that no matter, no matter what life throws at us in all circumstances, in 
all circumstances. We are to be thankful and to give thanks. Colossians 2.7, it says to overflow with thankfulness. When you talk about practising gratitude and being thankful, I remember it kind of became a trend a number of years ago. It started popping up on social media. I remember being given a journal, a gratitude journal, and it was this thing that you kind of began to see more and more in shops, gratitude, cultivating a life of gratitude. And obviously it's good and it works because even the world has caught on to it, that you need to live a life cultivating gratitude. I did what everyone does and I went on Google and I researched it. And I wanted to know what just the genuine world thinks of it. And I found a study from Harvard Medical School. It might come up, it might not, we'll see. It says, gratitude is a thankful appreciation for what an individual receives, whether tangible or intangible. With gratitude, people acknowledge the goodness in their lives. In the process, people usually recognise that the source of that goodness lies at least partly outside of themselves. As a result, being grateful also helps people connect to something larger than themselves as individuals, whether to other people, nature, or to a higher power. And I found that really interesting that even a a non-Christian place who did a study on a bunch of people on gratitude, they came to that conclusion. You know, all through the Bible, we are encouraged to have gratitude, to cultivate a fully authentic, positive mindset. We must practice gratitude and thankfulness and not because it's trendy, but because the Bible says to do it. You see, practicing gratitude means that we accept things as they are while we still hold on to the appreciation of things that we value and have access to. Thankfulness, it grows out of this mindset and it positions us to be able to notice and express thanks when things do go right, like saying thank you or even writing the thank you note. And the challenge is that our gratitude should never change. Even when life is good or even when life is bad, our gratitude shouldn't fault. And even in moments when you don't feel like giving thanks, they are the hardest moments. Gratitude should still be a constant flow in our lives. And there's a story in the Bible, you've, all, you've probably read it, and if you haven't read it, you want to go and read it afterwards. It's the story of Moses and the Israelites. I'll tell a quick segment before I go into the Scripture of it. But basically, uh, the Israelites have been slaves in Egypt. God brings them out of Egypt using Moses. He parts the Red Sea. They walk through it. They get to the other side. They are now safe. And so on Exodus 15, 22, it says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they travelled in the desert without finding water. Actually, I said some water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. So this is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses and they said, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. This is interesting. And if you jump further into the Bible, into the book of Psalms, there's a Psalm in 106 and it's all about the Israelites in this time. And number 23 says, they, the Israelites, grumbled in their tents and did not listen to the Lord's voice. You know, why is it so easy to grumble than to be grateful? You know, God just led them out of, the, out of Egypt and they still grumbled. It's quite often easy to look at what you lack and what you don't have 
than what you do have. Would you agree with me? When I was 14 years old, I realised that I was lacking a double bed. I had a single bed. And I realised after visiting lots of friends' houses that why don't I have a double bed or a queen-size bed like my friend does? And this became an area in life that I lacked. And I was not happy about this. And like every 14-year-old girl, I started to complain. Sorry, Mum and Dad, you're here today. And I don't know how long I actually complained for, but every couple of days I remember bringing it up, just asking them, why can't I have a double bed? It's not fair. Like, why do I have to have a single bed? I even went to the point of taking the fold-out couch that we had, the mattress, not those thin swabs, and putting it on top of my bed and trying to make it a double bed. But that, like, that doesn't work. That's just silly. And so I would, every couple of days, I would just like, I remember it would stir in me and I'd get really like angry and annoyed and come storming up to them and be like, it's not fair. Why can't I have a double bed? Why won't you give me this? All my friends have that. And they'd just look at me and say something and it was, I'd go off in a half. I'd probably write a note. I was the child that wrote notes to my parents saying, I hate you. It's not fair. Luckily, my mum, words is not her love language. Just she's like, all good. But anyway, there was a day when I came home from school and I, I come up, go into the kitchen, I wander down our stairs to my bedroom and I walk into my room and there's no bed in my room. And I'm thinking, okay, the first thing I thought was, they bought me a bed. I don't know why I'm whispering, but maybe in your mind you like whisper, they bought me a bed. No, I did leave that farmer's catalogue out, surely not. And like, there's a part of me that's like, oh no. So I go upstairs and I find mum in the kitchen where she always is making the best food. And I'm like, mum, where's my bed? And she's like, oh, we took it off you because you kept on complaining about it. So we thought, why not take it off you? (laughs) I know. So what you get, maybe some good parenting advice there. If your teenager's grumbling about something, take it off them. But the worst part was that we had connect group that night. My parents were in the same connect group as Jared's parents, Pastor Brennan Viv. I remember Roger and Rebecca Bay were there and all the kids came around that night for a social hangout. And of course, you end up playing like hide and go seek and everyone ends up coming down to where the bedrooms are and my friends are like, where's your bed? And I was so embarrassed. I felt silly inside that I had had my bed taken off me for complaining. That night, I slept on the floor. <laughs> I obviously survived and I got my bed back and I learned to not complain about my bed. But maybe, you know, maybe you haven't complained about what type of bed you want, but maybe you can think of times that you have allowed a seed of complaining, grumbling to take place in your life. And often it's just a little tiny habit. It might be when you wake up in the morning, oh, another day. It's just a little seed that can start. It can get into your spirit And then every time that we grumble and we complain, we begin to cultivate that seed. Philippians 2.14 says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. We're definitely in a warped generation right now. You would agree with me? The, The world is very much warped. And then it goes on to say, Then you will shine like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. The thing about grumbling is that grumbling hurts relationships. It hurts those that you are around and it rubs off. And right now, I bet you're thinking of someone that you know who grumbles or who complains. Don't, 
Don't turn to the person if it's the person next to you. But we all know someone who, who complains. When we grumble, it hurts our relationship with God. Grumbling hurts our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. It hurts our heart. And from our heart flows everything that we do. From our heart flows to our mind and our thoughts and our patterns and how we feel. So if we're grumbling, our heart is not in a good place. Grumbling rejects God's goodness. And this happened to the Israelites. You see, God had promised to them, He goes, this is the land, you know, over here, I'm giving this to you, the land of Canaan. It is gonna be the promised land. And this is for you. He had protected the Israelites. He had taken them out of Egypt. He had split the Red Sea for them. He had provided water for them multiple times. And the Scripture, it says, they were like, we've got no meat. Classic male, there's no meat for dinner. It's not good enough. <laughs> they complained and God gave them quail. And then they even had like, imagine this, you've got a cloud at daytime following to follow and you have a fire at night. Like how cool would that be? That would be incredible. Yet the Israelites were still complaining. Numbers 13, and it's, this is just after they've come out, they've complained about no meat, no water. And then the Lord says, the Lord speaks to Moses and says, send out 12 leaders from each ancestral tribe of the Israelites. This is a bunch of tribes that are among the main tribe of the Israelites to explore the land of Canaan. This is the promised land. After 40 days, they came back to report on what they found. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land that you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. Verse 28 says, but, everyone say but. If you're online, say but, but. But the people who live there are powerful and then they go on to complain. And they say, there is no way we can get in. They're too big for us. We can't get in. And then what happens? Their grumbling and their complaining spreads. And it begins to spread through the Israelite community, giving a bad report. Not one of them showed gratitude for God's goodness, for what He just did. You see, God just took 12 of them and He goes, here's a teaser of the promised land. I'm going to allow you to walk into it. You can even take some grapes from it. You're going to see this land that I'm going to give you. And this is your future. This is for you, for your children, for your grandchildren, for your grandchildren's children. But not one of them showed gratitude to God for this. The next morning they woke up, they probably rolled out of the bed on the wrong side and they grumbled. They all started grumbling together. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, they went and said to everyone, the land is good. He will lead us. It flows with milk and honey. The Lord is with us. But the entire assembly of Israelites then turned their backs. I imagine they would have been like facing them and then turned around in a huddle and they're like, nah, let's talk about stoning them. We're gonna stone them. Like how crazy is that? Out of the 12 spies that went, only two spies, Caleb and Joshua, actually got to walk into the promised land. Two spies. God killed off those 10 spies and their 10 tribes and their families missed out on entering that promised land. You know, imagine if when they went into the land of Canaan to spy on it, if they were grateful for what they saw instead of complaining. Imagine it. So let me tell you what happens 
when you have gratitude. Are we good? All right. What happens when we choose to live a life of gratitude in our hearts? Number one, gratitude glorifies God. It brings glory to Him. Our gratitude glorifies God as we exalt not the gifts, but the giver. The gratitude helps us realise that we all we realise all we have comes from not because of us, but from God. You know, it's like when someone does something for you and you want to say thank you and you appreciate them. You kind of exalt them for something they've done for you. You humble yourself. And it's the same as God. You know, with God, you would humble yourself and you would exalt God and you would feel gratitude to Him. But the difference is that I am indefinitely in debt to God for His grace and for everything He does for me that is free and undeserved. 2 Corinthians 4.15 says, It is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, may it increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. The second thing, gratitude brings us closer to God. If you cultivate a grateful heart, it is easier to build relationships. You know, it's like husbands and wives. As a wife, you don't need your husband to do those jobs in order to be a good husband. It's about being grateful regardless of the jobs. God desires for us to live a life that is full of gratitude. And when we do this, it draws us closer to Him. And I can pinpoint times when I have grumbled myself and I have complained. And it really does set you back. It affects your spirit. When you have days and you have gratitude for God and you are thanking Him, it really stirs in your spirit. It really does something. Can I think how sad it is that if we grumble and complain, it pushes us away from God. It continues to push us. But every time we give thanks and we have gratitude in our hearts for Him, we draw closer to Him. James 4 verse 8 says, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. When we have a grateful heart and we cultivate it for God as we draw near He will draw near to you gratitude gives us a godly view it's a different perspective you see Joshua and Caleb saw things in Canaan as God would have seen them as good Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Some of you need to hear this. And we know in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And if you're living life more connected to God, how could you not view things the way He does? Can I get the band to jump up for me? Gratitude is what keeps the brain well oiled. Grateful people have more agile minds. Ungrateful people actually end up having a mental rigidity. It affects us. It is a lens that we must put on. And it will impact to how you view the different situations that you end up in. You see, Caleb and Joshua, they chose to wear the lens of gratitude, to be thankful for God's goodness that they reacted differently to the situation they found themselves in. You see, gratitude is simply the change in perspective from dwelling on what we lack to focusing on what we have. Come on, think about it. Maybe you've spent too long just always fixated on what you lack. But instead, focus on what you have. 
the person next to you, the building that we're in. When we change the perspective of our life, when we change our perspective, our life shifts and our whole life will change. And that might be your one solution today that you're needing. Pain becomes joy. Shame becomes freedom. Anxiety becomes peace. Lack becomes plenty. Despair becomes hope-filled. I'm gonna read that again. Pain becomes joy. If you're carrying pain today, your gratitude could be the thing that will bring you joy. Shame will give you freedom. If you're walking in anxiety, give gratitude to God and it will bring peace. Lack becomes plenty and despair becomes hope-filled. And wilderness, wilderness eventually becomes the promised land. And it might be a while. You might be walking in the wilderness for a while, but that's okay, right? Because it's meant to be a lifetime of gratitude. It's not just one day. It's something that we are called to practice, to cultivate a life. You could say it's a lifestyle of gratitude. We must become people that have a heart of gratitude, not a heart of complaint. So how do I express my gratitude to God? You praise Him no matter what. You're like, yeah, but at least this happened. No, you praise Him no matter what. No matter what. And I've been in moments when I don't want to praise Him. I'm going to be honest. When I was writing this, it was very challenging. The Bible definitely challenges you. And I sat down to write it and I was like, I'm going to try and write a list of what I'm grateful for. I'm giving gratitude to God. All I could think about was just like complaining. But I knew I had to push past that regardless of conversations, regardless of what had happened that morning, regardless of just, even the weather can affect you. I had to push past that and praise Him no matter what, no matter what. Even if you want a queen size bed and you have a single, you praise Him. You praise Him if you haven't got the dream God, the dream job. You have the, you have the dream God though. And even though you haven't got the dream house, what do you do? You praise Him. And if there's sickness, what do you do? You praise Him. And if you're healthy, oh, you praise Him for that too. It's saying that no matter what happens, I am choosing to be grateful. Turn to your neighbour now and say, I choose to be grateful. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.